Welcome back everybody to Pushing the Limits. It's Lisa Tamati, your host here, and I'm very much looking forward to sharing this latest interview with you. Uh, a young man from the United States, Ryan uh, Lang, who is an incredible ultramarathon athlete who has done uh, two over 200 mile races. So the Moab 240 and another 200 and plus a whole lot of 100 milers and he's only just turned 22. Can you believe it? So we're going to be sharing that story in a moment. But before we get underway, as always, if you want to reach out to me, please do so. Lisa at lisatamati.com. You can check out all our programs, what we do with our running programs, our epigenetic programs. If you want some coaching help, need a speaker for your next event, please get in touch with me. Hit me up over on lisatamati.com. Find out what we're all about. Now, we have got a live running training weekend event coming up in Havelock North uh, on the 31st of October. Of August and the 1st of September. We'd love you to come and check that out. Um, you can find the info on our website as well. Now, uh, you can hit, hit us also up on Instagram, at Lisa Tamati, and I'm very active also on Facebook, so lots of things to discover. Right, please rate and review the show. All the help you can give us with that would really be appreciated. It's a labor of love, and the more exposure that we can get, the more people get to hear the show. So I really, really thank you for doing that and taking the time to make a rating and review on iTunes. That would be absolutely terrific. Right, now over to the interview with Ryan Lang. Well, hi everybody, it's Lisa Tamati here at Pushing the Limits. Fantastic to have you back again. Thanks for joining us. Now, today I have a young man all the way from the States, from New Jersey. His name is Ryan Lang, and he is an up-and-coming superstar in the world of ultramarathon running. Um, I got to know of Ryan through our mutual friend Chris Doris, who was on my show not long ago, mental toughness coach. Uh, who was absolutely awesome and Ryan was on his show and so Chris decided we had to connect and get together and here we are sitting together and um, Ryan welcome to the show lovely to have you thank you for having me I'm, I'm excited this is my first podcast outside of the US <laughs> you're um, going international man you go <laughs> you're yeah. making making waves down under that's pretty cool um, yes. so Ryan can you tell me for starters how, how old are you I am 22 I just turned 22 back in April Wow. Uh, and I started running back when I was 18 and going on to 19. Wow. So you're extremely, extremely young. And most people, you know, that I have on this podcast who, you know, superstar ultra runners are a little bit older, you know, speak maybe in their 30s, 40s, uh, even older. Um, so you're a bit of an anomaly. So, uh, Ryan, I'm going to go back to the start. Let's tell us you know, who you are, where you grew up a little bit, and uh, why you got into running. Yeah, so I... Um, I'm your average, average 22-year-old. I like to tell people that I am average because I, I, I truly am. I don't have any uh, special capabilities. I'm not super talented in anything. Uh, I simply make decisions to uh, uh, work towards an outcome. That's how I like to explain it. Um, but I, I was a very overweight individual. I was pushing about 235 pounds going into college in uh, 2016. Um, and I just got kind of sick of being that overweight individual, um, for myself personally. So I, I started to run two to three miles here and there. And I felt like the man, like, I felt like, like, wow, I'm, I'm doing two to three miles every other day. Like, what is this? This is awesome. So I started, I started feeling very good. Uh, and people started telling me that I looked good because I was losing weight. So here's my brain. People tell me I look good running more miles. So then that was a constant <laughs> battle. Yeah. Um, 
So that led into uh, my first marathon in the fall of 20, fall 2016. Wow. Uh, got done that. And I was like, you know, what's next? That was kind of like my finish line thing. I was like, well, what do I do? Like, what, what, what goes up? My dad's like, dude, you did it. Huge life milestone. And I'm like, yeah, uh, I'm going to go to the computer and see what else I can find. So <laughs> I did just that. Found a 50-miler, uh, Badwater Cape Fear. Very flat 50-miler, um, so it was probably a good first 50-miler. Um, but I still had absolutely no idea what I was doing with running. I ate one packet of peanut butter over about a little under 10 hours of running. No kidding. Uh, so, so, yeah, and this is where my dad's actually see this whole process and he was being my crew chief without even knowing it yeah um but we had a fun time together he was he describes me as the race car and he's the pit crew so like uh, and i am very emotional he's very logical so it's a constant battle he kind of keeps everything in balance that's awesome um, so yeah he was and after my 50 miler i fell asleep at the outback steakhouse at my uh my pre or post race steak because i was <laughs> so out of energy from not eating while running <laughs> and that kind of scared him as well um so he's like you need to learn how to do this how to feed your body before i let you go do anything more very wise um, man very wise yeah 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 so uh which was probably a good thing he said that because i went out i found a camp uh with this uh they you might know of them cts train right they're based in colorado they no, do haven't heard them yeah, they do uh, ultra running. Coach Jason Coop uh, ran the camp, and I learned more. I still have never learned that much about running within one weekend at that first weekend. I went. Amazing. Um, right. So, you know, I, I started to really find out more about, like, the community side of running and how it's not just you exercising. These are other people that like to partake in things that you and I do. Yeah. Um, so then I started getting – hooked up with other people and I started getting along with other people and I'm like wow this is more than just running this is more of a lifestyle um so that led into my 100 miler and led into the 200 milers that I now do uh so that's kind of my synopsis of uh going from couch to ultra run. that that happened very fast Ryan we, we, we have to back yes. up the truck a little bit and go uh, have a look at have a look at this because um so for everybody's listening you did hear right Ryan has done um, races over 200 miles. So he's done, you've done the Moab 240 miler, is right. that right? You've done yep. the Tahoe, which we've got one of our athletes, Lisa Mamana, uh, about to do that too, um, around the beautiful Lake Tahoe. And you've also, you're coming up to the Bigfoot, is that right? Correct. Yep. How, far, so how far away is that? It is August 9th. So we are what, like, oh, not still. You're really yeah, we're close. Of it. <laughs> yeah, yes. you're, you're deep in, in training camp at the moment. Um, yes. so, so, Ryan, you know, usually people's, I mean, you went over that very far, you know, fast and said, you know, you went, you started running two or three miles and the next minute you're running 100 milers. And that sounds very, you know, oh, oh, okay. How the hell does that happen? Because, you know, for most people, this is a, a longer period of time. And, of course, you're very young. So you you obviously have... When you say your average, I mean, I, I, I tell people too, everybody that, you know, I have to do with, um, that I'm very, very average. Like, as a, as a runner, like, so what from average? But I can run long, like you. Right. And, right. and that's, that is actually a special skill set 
you know, like we, we tend to think that only fast runners are, you know, talented, but I think there is a skill set for going super, super long. And that is, you know, we're definitely average people, but probably not average in the way we approach things. If that makes that's, sense. that's a great way to put it actually, I believe, because yeah. I, I, I approach things with different attitudes. I think some people look at things like it's like the half glass full or half empty. Some people look at things and they're like, wow, I'll never get to that point. Like the totality, if I ever thought about running 200 miles while I was running 200 miles, I would have gotten so deep in my head and dropped immediately. Yes. That I think kind of touches on what you're saying. We are not average in how we approach things. I was given an average vehicle in my body is average. I've made decisions in training, in mental prep, in uh, nutrition to get myself where I'm at now. That's a perfect way of putting it. And um, so we're going to go in a bit of a deep dive too later on into the mental side of of this, what we do, because that is the biggest part of it. Like you say, you know, um, it's not all about, you know, people have this misconception that you, as a, a super long endurance athlete, that you have special abilities and you don't really, you just have a special way of approaching things and a special mindset that really comes to play. And this is a really important thing. And this is why you're on Chris's show as well was because how the hell do you get that when you're 20, 21 years old? You know, um, I certainly didn't have it at that age. I was already doing some extreme stuff, maybe 23, 24, but how, you know, the, the most, like, honestly, the most people that I know that are around that your age are still figuring out who the hell they are. They're having, you know, mostly have issues with themselves and their self-confidence and their self-esteem and, and don't quite know which direction they're going on. How is it that you seem to know, and even like talking on this podcast, you, you, you have a confidence, you exude in a, a certain amount of confidence and strength how do you have that already at 21 and how do you have the mental capacity to even consider doing something like a 200 miler uh, i think that to so to start out uh first point um i me and my dad have talked about this and he told me that he has always taught me what it takes to get something mm-hmm. no matter if it was uh, a small toy to uh you know uh, a new car or something like that he always made it apparent to show me what it actually took to get from point A to point B. Um, so I, I have that mindset and that understanding um, to be able to understand and not get totally overwhelmed by thinking about going after crazy goals like this. Um, but it comes with, with uh, you know, obviously preparation, putting myself in very weird instances, very bad situations in training, in practice. And this doesn't even have to be ultra running. Um, will prepare you for the craziness that does end up happening. Um, To be totally honest, I can't fully answer that for you. It's just something that I have loved um, and found. Uh, I've begun to realize more about myself in doing these. So now I've, it's become more of a fun activity uh, an adventure than it is a, I don't want to say challenge, but something that is, uh, causes angst to think about, you know what I mean? Um, it's, you know, some people look at running as I have to go run to me. It's like, gotta run today. It's going to, you know, what are my goals for this run? Uh, what should I be? How, what are my pace? You know, it turns into a different thought process. And I guess I was just able to push that to like the way greater distance. 
Um, but to be totally honest, I don't know. It's just me and yeah. how my came about. I think I found what I love about running early yep. that other people find when they're 35 mm -hmm. and they say, oh, I wish I was running when I was your age. Yes. I think they didn't find the benefits of it and they were using their time differently than I was. So that's why it just ends up that I'm the outcast like this because I found it. <laughs> you're definitely not an outcast. You're a role model, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think, yeah, a, a lot of it will probably have to do with, uh, you know, partly your genetic makeup, but also a very solid upbringing by the sounds of it. Um, because, you know, in, and I don't mean this in a rude way, but a lot of young people now expect that the world will just pop open for them and everything will be handed to them on platter. Um, and which may be quite offensive, I don't know. Um, and, and I think it's really, really important that you get taught how to get from A to B and what it will cost you to do, what, what sacrifices you need to do to achieve these big dreams. And you seem to have that. Um, you know, would you, would you say that amongst your peers, um, there is this tendency to think, because you've, you know, we've grown up, and of course, everybody's grown up different. Some have grown up with very little and others have grown up with wealth and, and so on. But um, a tendency to have things too easily um, can make you have less resilience. You know, yeah. if you haven't had to fight for something, you don't know how to fight. You don't, right. you don't know how to overcome obstacles. Would you do agree exactly. with that one? Yeah, people can't fathom that thought because they've never actually done it. So they don't understand it. That's how I, and same with, with my friends, you know, you touched on it. My friends say, how do you run 200 miles? I can't even run three. It's because I've just trained to try to do that. They have never tried to do that. Anyone seriously is capable of it. I'm a human body. They're a human body. It's just the fact, wow, I've never done that. So how does he do it? Yeah. And it's lifting your horizon a step at a time, isn't it? So you didn't start off with a 200 miler. You started off with two or three miles and you built it up over time. And then you started to understand, well, how can I've got deficits here? I don't know how to do this or I don't know how to eat properly or I don't know whatever. And you've gone out and you've searched for that information. You've gone to get coaches. You've, you know, great. I, I actually, you know, I mean, as a coach, I can, I'm slightly biased, but you, you, um, you shortcut the process, mate. When I, when I started ultra marathon running back in, gosh, when was it? 1997 or something. Wow. Um, it, there was no knowledge really about extreme distance running. There had been a small community who had been doing, you know, the, the street of Noi thousand K races and things, but I never knew about those really. Um, and there wasn't a heck of a lot of information in things about, you know, electrolytes or what, what to eat right. need or, or what would happen to your body um, when you do this sort of distance. And you sort of, I made a hell of a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, and that's why I'm passionate now as a coach that I don't burn my people out. I don't, you know, I, I shortcut the process for them along with my uh, business partner who's an exercise scientist who saved my career when I was going to custard because I was pushing too much, too fast, too hard. Um, and, you know, so it's, it's, it's a way of shortcuts cutting the whole process and not having to make all the mistakes yourself. Right. So you can, you can actually get better a lot faster and learn a lot, you know, with a safer sort of a, a trajectory, if you like. Um, right. So, how do you think you differ, you know, amongst your peers? Like, how do you think, can, do you help other young people 
have a crack at some, you know, starting running and getting into yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. People, and I like to be that advocate of the young gun runner showing mm-hmm. other people that you don't have to be the 30. When I, when I went out to Moab, people were like, you know, what are you doing yeah. here? <laughs> and I was like, I'm, you know, I'm just here to do my thing. And I think it's kind of a, a stigma that most ultra marathon runners are like, oh, I'll get in the long distance when I'm 30 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, or kids are doing track in high school and they just kind of keep doing that. Um, so it gets to, I kind of like it though, because I like being that like ambassador, right. I guess. Yep. Um, but no, I get a lot of people that reach out to me asking, how did I start? And I tell them kind of the same story as you, you know, I started out exactly where you're at right now. Uh, you know, here I would encourage if you want to do a, a 50 miler, start eating different tiny things before a run, seeing what your stomach, how it feels. Um, but people are slowly and slow the, the sport itself is growing yeah massively. my age of people trying it out because we have big ambassadors like david goggins mm. uh cameron Haynes. these are guys that are very looked up upon mm. uh my let's call it demographic uh younger people that are into exercise people look up to them yep. and they follow yep. them and these guys are big ambassadors for the sport so yeah. they're part of the growth um but in terms of like my other friends uh, I get a lot of people wondering why I can't just be a normal college kid and hang out without <laughs> with them um, and not have to wake up at 6 a.m. for a training marathon. Um, but, yeah, it's okay. That's We have different interests. We have – and I respect that, and they do respect that too. It just kind of has turned into a little bit of a joke at this point. Yeah. No, I mean, David Goggins is one of my heroes too. I'm, I got to meet David when I was at Badwater um, a few years ago and um, he's certainly having a massive impact on a lot of people now with his books and so, and so on yep. um, one of the hardest, hardest asses I've ever met <laughs> for sure <laughs> um, and across a, a, you know, a wide variety of genres um, and people like you know, Dean Carnassus have been a huge uh, influence for me as well um, and they really put ultramarathon running on the map and I have seen a lot of young people come through now in the last few years um, we've got a young lady over in Australia, Lucy Bartholomew, who I met her when she was about 16 and she was doing a multi-day stage race. Um, and she's wow. turned into a bit, a bit of a superstar down under. Um, and you know, there was a lot of, she actually started, I think when she was 14 doing her first hundred K and there was a lot of controversy, whether that was a good thing for someone so young, still going through puberty, et cetera, what the damage could be um and that you know that's a that's definitely a concern um when they start that young um but yeah there is a a lot of people coming through that are younger um i did a race in niger which was a 333k race and we had a 21 year old there and that was across one of the most dangerous countries on earth you know and there were only 17 runners and, and for the most part of that you were alone out in the desert in the middle of the Sahara in a war zone. Um, and he, he made it, you know, he was incredible. So there are a few outliers, if you like, um, of people coming through the ranks. And um, it, it has been the domain of older runners. And I think partly that's because um, we have, we, we know that you have a lot of speed when you're young, you know, and you don't absolutely have all the endurance necessary when you're young. Um, and that's why I think people, when they start to lose their speed, go more into the ultra distance traditionally. Right, 
because you, you are going to set, like if you wanted to turn now and become a track and field athlete, you'd be struggling because you've changed your whole muscle fibers and you've changed right. the whole way your body is set up. Um, so it would take a hell of a transition to do, you know, not that it's impossible probably, but it's a, it's a, it's something that you, that's one of the reasons why I think people do start off on the shorter distances and go then to the longer ones. Um, and, what, what is normally the case is that you don't have the mental capacity to suffer so much when you're 20, um, as a generalization, yeah? Um, but that is, that is definitely changing, I think, as we get more and more knowledge. Uh, I, I, I needed a bit more maturity to, to um, so I started doing ultras. I'd done a lot of adventure stuff. I'd spent a few years like cycling around the world and climbing mountains and kayaking and doing things like that but I didn't start ultra running till about 28 I think um so yeah it's it was certainly a progression for me but okay so let's talk about the actual races so these big ones that you've done these 200 240 miles Moab tell us a little bit about that what went on during the race what Obstacles did you come up against that you weren't expecting being your big first race, like your big, big, you know, massive one? Yep. How, how was that experience for you? So, Moab, I'll start at my first one and I'll kind of work my way through and show you how I've like, gotten better. So, Moab was my first one. I'd only done uh, a 50 miler or two 50 milers and a 100 miler before this. Mm -hmm. um, so, I went in with the mentality of I have nothing to lose, which I think is also needed for you know a good ultra marathon mentality yeah uh, went in with my dad you know what's the worst thing that could happen i go i run 130 miles and i call it quits you know <laughs> um so that what was very tough at moab is i had never been introduced to uh body glide or squirrels nut butter no <laughs> that stuff so i had blisters beyond blisters <laughs> blisters on top of blisters um and I thought taping my feet or toes would help, and then that tape would rub up against the other toe. There we have another blister. Um, that was very tough. The sleeping is the probably the second hardest part. Um, you know, you're going. Let's call it an average is like. You know, I finished Moab in 86 hours, and wow. I slept six and a half awesome. hours. Mm -hmm. So you get thank you. You get awesome. um, very very crazy hallucinations, mm -hmm. uh, and you get two forms that I've experienced is the visual and I call them scenario hallucinations. So, um, I got to the point in Tahoe last year where I didn't believe I was running a race in my mind. I thought I was running in the woods and the faster and better I ran, uh, the more and more this, uh, uh, politician would be liked by the people and <laughs> those people would vote for him. <laughs> that's what like I literally thought was going on so that is tough because then there's time this is why you need a pacer then there's times where you're going off course because you're not paying attention yeah, you're completely gaga yep. yeah you're not you're not eating because you're not remembering to eat. you don't remember the last time you ate. um and then you get the visual hallucinations that are happened before the scenario ones and they're more like I enjoy these I enjoy watching a tree turn into a gorilla and <laughs> It sounds crazy. Like it sounds like people are lying, but it actually does happen. Oh yeah, see, I've, I've been there. <laughs> I don't know. This. I'm sure someone listening to this can describe the science behind it. But your brain just starts to take things and turn them into other things. Yep. 
I've um, had rock monsters coming at me in the Libyan desert. That was interesting. <laughs> Never had rock monsters. That's that, you know, I'll let you know after uh, after Bigfoot. All right. Uh, but so how I've kind of tr I've started to train in going on you know uh, pulling an all nighter, let's say doing work, and then going on a run nine a.m. Yeah. that week. Training like that, like training being whacked out, so you get more comfortable, you get more familiar, you understand more how your body operates when you're like that. Um, so I did that a lot going into Tahoe. I learned how to better prepare for blisters. Still didn't get great. Um, actually, to touch on that, I just started doing toe socks mm -hmm. with uh, lube all over each toe. Yep. I did uh, 14 hours of running last or last weekend in wet feet. I was my feet were wet the whole time. I did not have one blister. Awesome. Uh, so highly recommend that if you have problems with blisters on your toes. You heard it here first. Uh, yep. I used in gingy socks. Did you use those? Yep. Yeah. That's what I got. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. They're very good. Um, so, and, and learning more of how my body operates better. I recently have gone uh, no sugar or very low. The sugar I do eat is in uh, salad dressings, which is a little bit, or yeah. beer yeah. is a little bit. What I, I also have not been consuming much alcohol recently, Good. which yeah. the best races I always was still partying on the weekends. Yep. Now I've really turned that down, and I am seeing crazy results in my speed. Awesome. And also really weird in my, like, digest, like how I digest food while I'm running. I feel like I can digest more. I don't know. It might just be in my head. No, no, it won't be. It won't be. Because you won't be, you won't be, you know, causing, um, you yeah, the, the troubles that you have, you know, in your digestive tract is is one of the biggest things that can hinder your running. So if you have gastrointestinal problems, then you know your running can come to a full stop pretty quickly. Um, so very good that you've cut down on the sugar and cut down on the alcohol. Yeah. Excellent. With the sugar, I found um that so even while i'm running a lot of people were like you know why aren't you eating goose anymore why aren't oh, you doing no <laughs> i found that one they gave me insane energy highs that followed by lows yep. so i would be up and down the whole race two once you're like 12 hours in your stomach just cannot cannot i mean <laughs> and and I, I was reading this article on how ultra runners are starting to become some of them diabetics because of the amount of sugar even though they're they're in shape it's just the amount of overload sugar that they're consuming is just totally destroying i guess their insulin level i don't know yeah um but i've just been feeling better i've lost weight in certain spots of my body that yep. i really couldn't lose weight yep. um and i did a 40 miler a couple week two weekends ago fourth of july and i did not walk once i kept wow. a great consistent pace i felt great and that's never happened before so i think that's just the the consistent energy rather than that energy. definitely i mean i'd like to just agree with you there and it's so great to have someone on the show saying the same thing is is you know knows what he's talking about um i i tell my athletes don't touch gels at all um i think they're absolute poison i think you can get away with them for if you're doing a half marathon or something if you really need to, but I certainly wouldn't do it for an ultra marathon because your gastrointestinal tract is really, really sensitive when all the blood is in the periphery, it's in the muscles, it's doing its hard job, and then it hasn't got uh, much actually in the digestive tract. And what I've seen again and again, that's nearly cost me a few races 
um, in particular the second bad water I was really really sick with with gels they just turn very acid in your stomach um, and it, it won't happen to everybody but it will happen to a lot so and the same with electrolyte drinks I don't I always uh, dilute them or in my case I usually take tablets you know like the electrolyte tablets like Endurolytes or things like that um, or something that hasn't got artificial and I don't touch caffeine you know in in electrolyte drinks either especially if you're doing this super super long stuff actually it's something that you might want to play with is cutting out caffeine um, yep. because yeah you you're and then it, you might want to use it specifically during the, uh, a really long waste when you're really struggling with the sleep deprivation side of things so that might be a, a quick tip for you there so so where were we so yeah you carry on with your story about yeah. the. I was just talking how I got better you know going in the problems I ran into yep. um, so in Moab I started taking caffeine the first night that was a mistake because yep. I you know, the at different energy drops, but nonetheless an energy drop. Um, so with Tahoe, I waited until late the second night, early third morning. Then I started using the caffeine. Mm -hmm. But I think more of what you were saying, I cut out caffeine and alcohol too completely two weeks prior to a race. Awesome, awesome. So when I do take that caffeine, yeah. it feels amazing and it actually helps me out. And then when I drink that finish line beer, it really feels amazing <laughs> and helps me out. So, so good. It, it, um, I want to touch on what you said too about um, ultra runners getting diabetes. Um, there's the, one thing that's not very often talked about or admitted, um, and this is something that I've experienced uh, a number of health problems that have come from my extreme running. And I like to not put a negative spin on, on, on things, but to make people aware, especially young people like yourself, because you have a very young body that's capable of, you know, taking a hell of a lot of a load at the moment, but you too will get older. Um, and I've done some major kidney damage to myself. Um, especially doing like really hot desert races and so on when it's really, really hot. Um, so it's just something to be aware of that you can, and then I've had knock on effects um, with my hormone, uh, you know, household um, and problems then with, well, getting sick from your hormones being out of balance and having problems with your cycle and all that sort of stuff. So women have, just for those listening, obviously you're not a woman, um, it can cause upsets with things like adrenal, your adrenals can get burned out. Um, you can have hormone issues. You can have kidney issues. You know, rhabdomyolysis is something that happens a lot. Um, so these are just things to be aware of, especially as you you started really young. So my concern was that you would be, have longevity in the sport and not burn yourself completely out. So not, not doing too many races per year um, and looking at the long game because your body's only 22 now, but if you want to be doing this when you're 50, like I am, you don't want to be, you know, blowing yourself to pieces, which I've, right. which I have done, you know. Um, right. so, and I and I, I will look into the diabetes link because that's um, it doesn't surprise me, but it's the first I've heard of it. So yeah, where did you um, find that research? Or I don't. It was something where I was just scrolling Facebook and yep. someone reposted it. Yep. Um, I'm sure if I dive into it, I could find it, but. I've, so like you said about the – I had problems when I started going no sugar, finding a sugar-free electrolyte. Mm -hmm. uh, and, like, the ones that I tried were very like – like, like the fake sugar. Mm -hmm. um, I found a couple with Stevia. Stevia tends to help me be work well for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I posted on the Big Trail and Ultra Facebook group saying exactly what I just said, got a ton of recommendations. 
uh, got the top three that I saw were recommended, and I tried them all out. Um, and I did write, I wrote a blog post on it, giving mm -hmm. the pros and cons of each. Um, but the one that I found to help me the most um, is Element. It's L-M-N-T. It's a great company. Um, and they, the biggest thing is the, some of these electrolyte mixers, when they shake up, they get foamy and you yeah. suck down the foam and then you're burping. There you go. Yeah. That's a yeah. big problem. Um, yeah. This one doesn't foam up. Uh, it tastes fine. Um, and again, you know, I guess Stevia just agrees with me well, yeah, but me if too. anyone listening, you know, you're trying to do the no sugar, this is great. It has tons of magnesium in it, um, and plenty of the sodium and all the other micronutrients that you do need. Yeah, that's a really important point. Um, I've had a, a tetanus seizure at one stage and I had a, fr a friend who also had a tetanus seizure, yeah, which, uh, you know, you can die from and... I was very close to kicking the bucket. Luckily, I was two minutes from a hospital when it happened, and they managed to save me. But do you know what a tetanus seizure is? No, it sounds awful. I'm not it's exactly. Freaking awful. <laughs> so this is when your electrolytes get so out of balance. In my case, it was a potassium, which controls your the contractions of the muscle, and you know your heart muscle. Your, your heart is just another muscle, um, and so your whole body starts to cram right up into your, you know, your face, your whole, your entire body. Can you imagine the pain of having your entire body cramp all at once and how frightening that is? Um, and that uh, can, you know, lead to heart attack and, and death. So my potassium levels had gotten down to 1.7, which the doctor said he'd never seen in a living person. Um, and I was very lucky to survive that one. That was after weeks of being out, uh, not actually during an ultra marathon. I was for weeks out in the Alaskan, um, and Canadian wilderness, and I hadn't been eating very well, and we've been kayaking, uh, canoeing, sorry, down the Yukon, um, and that's when that sort of happened to me. Um, and I had a friend in the outback of Australia when we were doing uh, a TV pilot uh, for a TV series. He had an electrolyte supplement that didn't have a lot of potassium in it. It was mostly sodium um, and some magnesium, and he had a tetanus seizure as well, and we had to rush him to hospital um, wow. Very, very frightening experiences. Um, to yeah, another thing to be aware of, and just make sure that you yeah that your electrolytes have everything in it, in particular your potassium. So just make sure that that's that's good. And then yes, I that's why I took tablets. You know that's why I take tablets rather than um, uh, mixed drinks. Usually I have found Tailwind is okay. I can use Tailwind. Um, but often I take Enduralites where I just need to pop a yep. tablet. I do I that. Yeah, you don't need to think about, and you don't, it depends on whether you like to drink your calories or eat your calories or, or um, that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's getting, we're getting quite technical here, aren't we, Ryan? But yeah, yeah, I like it. <laughs> it's important to understand and, and to know the sort of things that can happen to your body. Um, right. and what you're facing. So uh, let's go back to the, the hallucinations because that's quite funny. Um, yeah. What's your take on what's actually happening in your brain? Because it, it is like a psychedelic experience, eh? And it's to do with, I think, with sleep deprivation and your blood sugars. And, but it's almost yeah. a spiritual experience, eh? <laughs> sort of come back. It is. <laughs> and you can't really, like, explain it to other people. You actually have to have it happen to you. Um, and that's honestly one of like the four things that keeps bringing me back to wanting to do these multi-day <laughs> because it's like, it is actually like, Oh my God, that's oh my not God. there. <laughs> so, uh, but I don't, someone else asked me, what do you think causes it? And I don't know. I do really, that's one thing uh, I'm going to read into and actually yeah. what 
causes, like what you're lacking or what's not firing fast. But I want to learn it because I think it is, it's just hilarious. It's, it is funny. It is really funny. I've had really, I have, um, off, uh, one that I've had a reoccurring one is giant penguins in tuxedos, you know, clapping <laughs> on the side of the road. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, both years in Badwater, I had that. It's really, really weird. On another dime, I had um, there was a you know I, I was running through New Zealand for charities. So I was doing two thousand two hundred and fifty k's, and and I was completely out of it. I had this, this this pink sort of stretchy band across the road, and I was trying to get through it, and I couldn't get through the band. And there's nothing there, right? <laughs> and my what? crew, my crew are going, what the hell? <laughs> what's going on yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sure that this band is holding me back you know or um, I had another one at Badwater um, uh, one of my crew members was peeing on my feet which he wasn't <laughs> but, oh. <laughs> and I kept yell at <laughs> yeah <laughs> stop weeing on my feet you know <laughs> uh, and one of uh, and a beer kept following me which you know there was no beer there but he was like on the periphery of my vision as I was going up Mount Whitney and he yep. you know right beside me this whole time and I'm going oh there's a beer you know it's gonna get me <laughs> yep, I got those before with I thought it was other people yeah like yeah constantly yep. like this you're yeah. like schizophrenic or like something yeah, yeah. like that where you're like paranoid yeah, yeah. It sort of like hangs in the periphery of your vision, some sort of, and I suppose it is some visual disturbance going on in your brain because yeah. you're pushing, we're definitely pushing the limits of, you know, what, what the human body is probably not designed I would, for. I would say so. <laughs> um, so how are you feeling now coming up to your next big one? This is your, what, third 200 mile plus. It's insane. Yeah. I can't believe that at 22. Uh, how are you feeling and how have you changed your training up coming up into this one? I am definitely feeling a lot better. The past two times, uh, so real quick, the, I go to Drexel University and we have a co-op program where I go to school six months and I work in full-time for six months. Wow. Um, the past two races, Moab and Tahoe, I was training while working a nine-to-five job. Wow. Um, so I was having to train after work at five. It's like the hottest part of the day in the spring and summer. Um, and I wasn't able to really venture out, like go to New Hampshire from Friday to Monday or go out to Denver from you know Thursday to Sunday. Um, so now I've been able to get out, get more elevation training outside of South Jersey. Mm -hmm. I've also been able to, you know, I've I started my own company, so that is my last yeah. co-op. Drexel gave me um, incubator space, let's call it. So now, you know, I wake up and I run from 8 a.m. to to 10:30. I'm in no rush. I could stretch before and after. Uh, I could focus on other things. I could control better what I'm eating because I'm not, you know, going out for lunch, a sandwich kind of deal. I'm eating better. Um, like I talked about with the sugar, um, I am now, I have two 200 milers under my belt. So now it's just, no, it's ex yeah. experience. Like these races are experience for sure. I'm sure you know that. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, my crew is better. My dad, this is his third 200 miler. My brother, it's his second. I have, uh, a pacer that has became one of my best friends in the sport. That is a huge deal. Um, having people, I think, pace you that you don't know very well. Um, you're not as comfortable around them. And during these races, you become the most vulnerable you will ever be. So you want to have someone that you can really, really trust and you're comfortable around. Um, so I have that. Uh, what else? It, it just a whole bunch of my whole lifestyle is different now. 
um, and I've learned all these things with, uh, uh, you know, done more studies and, and I've seen more results by doing uh, sprints once a week as well in ter terms of my VO2 max and stuff wow. like that. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's a, com uh, com a pile of a bunch of different things, but I think it comes down to being in better shape. I am thinner and I'm more experienced is what it comes down to. And I'm, I'll tell you this, I am very, very excited. I have the goosebumps right now, just like talking to you, thinking about it. I am like, I, I haven't been this excited about something it since awesome. the, uh, <laughs> and, and that is the key of it all is the enthusiasm and the energy that you bring to the project. If you've got that excitement about the whole thing, then any obstacle that comes your way, you'll find a way around it. You know, right. got that passion and that, that, that I'm so excited to be doing this sort of thing. Um, right. And I think you'll, you'll get better and better. And that, that thing with the pacing, you know, this is very, very crucial. Like the times when I've had top teams or I haven't had so much paces, but I've had, you know, awesome teams that have got me through some major races. And when you've got a good crew of people, man, it, it can make or break your race. If you have... Yep. I've had a couple where they weren't great and they didn't know what they were doing and they were, uh, you know, when, when your crew starts getting too tired to actually look after you, <laughs> um, you can, and that happens because they are actually, you know, pushing the limits themselves of sometimes sleep deprivation and things like that. And if they don't know how to push, if they don't, if they're not athletes, if they don't understand that they have to be totally dedicated to you to get you through this, then um, that can cause major problems as well um so that they have to sacrifice a fair amount to to want to be out there with you and having people when you're at the edge of your abilities and you're you know we've we've talked about the the cool stuff the hallucinations and the funny stuff but there are times when it's just hours and hours of absolute misery when you're fighting your your desire to give up you know when you're like i just don't want to do this anymore i can't see the light at the end of the tunnel you know um and those are the times if you've got a good crew or a good pacer that can just uh, get you through those humps, you know, before you fall to pieces and go. Yeah, and, and my my dad knows my body better than I know my body. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. For sure. And, you know, to touch on what you're saying, I, I had my mom pace, or excuse me, not pace, crew for the first time because my dad couldn't come out. Uh, and it was at this race on the island of Guadalupe, which is right next to Dominican Republic. Cool. Very remote. My mom was in a tiny little car going through this jungleish area. Ooh. She was very <laughs> flustered, and she did a great job. But you know, then there's me worrying about her yeah. out there. You're gonna get lost, and then that's bad too because you already yeah. have enough in your head. Yeah. Having that to think about for hours upon hours was not helpful. No, that is definitely not because you need every ounce I thought, I've, I've had a few races where I've failed at you know and this you know happens to everybody who's doing ultras sooner or later if you haven't had a few DNFs and you probably haven't been doing it long um, and often it's been at times when my whole mind hasn't been on the job for some reason you know like a couple of times it was you know either a breakup of a marriage that I was going through or or um, something that was going on in your personal life so you didn't have that complete full focus on the race and that can really blow you to pieces if you haven't got that complete focus you know and if yeah. you're having to worry about somebody else it isn't going to work you know it's right. going to be tough it's going to be very tough put it that way right um i think we're coming to the end here ryan i'm just would want to
to congratulate you. I think you're an astounding young man. I think that even I've had a look at your business site that you've started. You have a hydration pack that you've designed based on your experiences, uh, both for right. festivals and for running. Tell us a little bit about yes. that before we wind yeah. up. So I, um, I've always been going to music festivals and then I started running. So at these music festivals, you carry hydration backpacks. Same goes for snowboarding. Same goes for dirt biking. Um, and I started wearing a Salomon, uh, you know, old running vest to music mm. festival. Um, and I, I had a bunch of loops, so I put these light wire through it. Um, I had chest pockets for the water bottles, and it was perfect for your phone and sunglasses. Yep. Um, it just kind of turned into, you know, I people said it was cool. You know, did you make this? Where can I buy it? And it kind of turned into something that I wanted. And it's two markets that don't really ever touch is ultra marathon and music festivals. Um, so, you know, just combining my two passions to create a product to solve a problem like theft is a very big problem at music festivals. Um, people are all, most of them are drunk and they're not, you know, they're in crowds. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So an anti-theft hydration pack and my generation likes to stand out. Um, so you could customize it with interchangeable skins. Like, you know, I'm going to make one, uh, I'll run at sections with it with, for Bigfoot with, I'll put the Bigfoot 200 logo on there. Awesome. Um, so it's a bunch of different features all in one hydration pack that I made and it just turned out that other people wanted it as well. And how have you, like, have you found that your skills that you've learned as a runner uh, have helped to, you've helped you launch this business venture? Absolutely. If I had not done, Honestly, if I was not an ultramarathon runner, I do not believe that I would be a business owner right now mm -hmm. because ultramarathon running taught me responsibility. It taught me what it takes to get from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. um, I use this reference. <clears throat> if I'm not going to go on a training run now, then when? If I'm not going to answer this really long, important email, then when? You know, so using those two things and using, you know, you ran 200 miles, Ryan. Why can't you start your business? <laughs> Awesome. So, yeah, so they are very big crossovers, in my opinion. That, look, I think it's absolutely fascinating. I'm really fascinated with your young mentality, and you've, you're just light years ahead of most people, and I think it's just absolutely fantastic that you're a role model for other young people in, in whatever. It doesn't have to be ultra running, obviously. It can be whatever, but to have the, the courage and the understanding that the discipline that's required to go and to do these things and that the learnings that come from you pushing outside of your comfort zone, scaring the crap out of yourself, taking on these massive challenges and then coming back full circle and going, right, I'm going to go into business and if I can face 240 Ks at Moab, I can freaking face starting a business because it, 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 it relativizes everything, doesn't it? It makes you think, shit, if I can do that, what the hell else can I do? You know? Right, exactly. And that's where it becomes fun. Yeah, absolutely. So where can people buy your hydration packs? <laughs> uh, yeah, so here we go. Here's the uh, um, salesman move. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. No, so the company I've started is Gen Z. Um, the hydration pack is called the Rave Runner. Um, and we have a website, livegenz.com. And you could even go on and order a black pack and upload your logo and order it right away. So wow. It's pretty, pretty damn awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so genz.com. Livegenz.com. Dot com and I'll put the link in the, the show notes. Uh, yeah. And where can they find out about you and your running career and, um, you know? Uh, mostly, I, I'm very big on my Instagram. Mm -hmm. I always 
I've been starting to post on the, I have a blog on my company website as well. Um, that's where I posted uh, the electrolyte review. I'm going to do my race reports on that. Um, so on my website, on the blog or on my Instagram is where I post and, and write about my experience. And that would be, so your Instagram handle is just at Ryan Long? Lang? Lang Runs. Lang Runs. Okay. Lang Runs. L-A-N-G. L-A-N-G-E. E. Runs. And yeah. check you out on Instagram. I'll be definitely following you, mate. And, and interested to hear how you go and where you end up. <laughs> you. I appreciate it. I appreciate been... all your kind words. It's really, it feels good to hear that coming from you. But again, I'm, I'm still nothing special. Oh, you bloody are. So yeah, that's absolutely awesome. And you're going to have a, a great career ahead of you. And please do let me know how you go on this next race. I'll, I'll be watching with interest. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan.